and I bid you welcome. Thank you for coming. During the week of prayer, it was the snow that was hampering things. Tonight, it is Isha, and that's the storm that is hitting the United Kingdom. And we hear the wind outside, it's howling. Uh, the wind reminds us of many things in the Scripture. We are reminded about the, the instrument in the hand of God. It was an instrument of chastisement going after Jonah when the great storm arose in the sea to bring the servant of God back to where he ought to be. We know that it was also an instrument in Satan's hand. And we think of the story of Job and the trial that he had when his children were killed in that storm when the house fell upon them. And then we know that it's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. We have a technical glitch. I'm glad that we noticed that because I would have been singing a solo. Uh, so the wind is a picture of the Holy Spirit of God as well. And the wind bloweth where it listeth. We hear the sound thereof. We canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. But it's also a picture of the storm, isn't it, of, of God's wrath that will one day will be unleashed against the ungodly when the great tides of eternity rise and the wind blows. We think of the story that Jesus told of the, the man that built his house upon the sand and how the wind came and, and that house fell. So all these things are in our mind as we come to God's house tonight. And we, we will sing together our opening hymn, 204, that is sing of his love once again of the love that can never decay, of the blood of the Lamb who was slain, till we praise Him again in that day. That's a good singing in the opening hymn. And if anybody is not able to see too well tonight, because these glasses were found in the car park of the church, and they were handed to me at the end. If you need these before the end of the service, come up and get them. If you're too shy to do that, you'll get them at the end. But there they are. Let's sing the opening hymn together.
week I'd ask Alejandro to come and lead in prayer. I hope he remembers his English uh, from the last time he was here, just to pray tonight and commit our service to the Lord. So with banner unfurled to the breeze. come to our God in prayer at this moment. Let us pray. Our God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you give us tonight to come to thy presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We believe Jesus saves and his blood makes us whiter than snow. Father, we thank you for his merit. We thank you for his life, his life of perfect obedience. We thank you for his death, an atoning death, a death of the substitute. He was our substitute there. And we thank you, O Father, for his resurrection, because he's now seated at your right hand, O Father. And we thank you, Father, because we believe Jesus saves. Um, we know we shall win. We know, Father, that he has conquered He's seated at the right hand of thee, O Father, and that one day he will put all his enemies at his footstool. And we pray, O Father, that today, today we will see enemies of Christ coming, coming in peace through that reconciliation that he bought with his blood. O Father, that sinners will come tonight to repentance. Father, we pray for this meeting. We thank you, Father, for the privilege you give us to sing thy praises. We pray, O Lord, that we will adore thee in, in spirit and in truth. And Father, we pray now that you will also help Mr. Park as he preaches thy word. O Lord, that we will all be drawn nearer to Christ. We thank you for this church. We pray for his, its faithful witness through, through, through the years. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you will bring more, more souls, more lost souls to the feet of our precious Savior. We thank you for the comfort that we can have in Jesus Christ. We thank you because in the trials and problems of this life, he is our comfort. But most of all, we thank you because we know that he purchased our salvation for us. We pray, O Lord, for thy Holy Spirit to work today in the hearts of men and women. We pray, O Lord, for that wind, as that has been said, O Lord, to do its work, a work, O Father, that we cannot see, but a mighty work in the hearts of sinners. And we pray, O Lord, that your name will be praised. We not only pray for us, but we pray for all Northern Ireland, where your word is being faithfully preached tonight. Oh, Father, that Christ will be magnified, that his church, oh, Lord, will be built, and that all the honor will be to your holy and glorious name. We pray not only for this region, for this country, but for the whole world. We pray, oh, Lord, that the gospel will be proclaimed, is being proclaimed today. We thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Lord, because as as we see all, all thy enemies trying to fight against you, we know that Christ is the conqueror. And he is conquering souls. And, and one day he's going to come back to take his church with him and to bring judgment to this world, Father. And we pray, O Lord, that before it's too late, O Father, that sinners will come to thee. We pray for our friends, for our families, 
We pray for the unbelievers that are around us, O oh Lord, that you will work soon in their hearts. Father, we pray for those that are sick in this congregation. We pray that you will help them. You will, you will be their comfort in this time of need. You will be their, their rock and refuge. And Father, we pray that this whole service will be to thine honor and glory. And we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you, brother. It's good to see you and Vanessa and the family. Are you conscious that going back to Spain uh, every week you're preaching and praying in Spanish? And so just to get the English back there uh, can be sometimes a difficulty, but you did very well. Who, who are these beside the chilly wave just on the borders of the silent grave shouting Jesus' power to save washed in the blood of the Lamb? This is our second hymn. It's been good singing. Let's Worship the Lord as we sing these words together.
said earlier, it's good to see you, especially with the storm tonight. You've made it to God's house, and we trust that the Lord will bless you, even for the effort. Welcome in the Lord's name. And those that are joining us on the internet, maybe in more comfortable surroundings and in your home, but nonetheless, you're with us. God bless you too. Uh, we got a little card from our sister Noreen to the minister session and committee and members at Hebron. Thank you for your kind gifts and for every encouragement and prayers. It has been a blessing to be back among you again. May God give us a great year in His service. Every blessing, and that's from Noreen. Safely back now in Uganda, of course. And we always get little encouragements from Hubert and Barbara, Lara V, from Connecticut, in the United States of America, uh, very faithful every, every month, sending a card to us and just wishing the congregation here a happy new year and trust that you'll be able to do great things for the Lord in the coming year. And they do rejoice with us that uh, the Lord has been pleased to bring so many children in, referring to the, the children's ministry and the entrance into the schools. So may the Lord bless them, even in older years. And as you know, Hubert suffers health issues from time to time. Pray that the Lord will continue to bless him. There is a cup of tea and something to eat for those that are able to stay after the service. In the morning, Hebron Tots meets at 10 o'clock through to 12 noon. So remember the school's ministry. Greg will be in Les Ligon on Wednesday and Kilcrow on Friday. Wednesday night is our monthly committee meeting. Thursday night, Chris Kennan will be here on deputation, our missionary to those with addictions. And this is our missionary prayer meeting when we remember to pray for missionaries and for revival. Remember us as we are in Tandragee. There's a few Thursday nights at the beginning of the year. We're involved in the Christian Workers Training Academy. Friday is the Youth Fellowship getting back again uh, to some kind of normality for the new term this new year, 8 o'clock. Next Lord's Day, prayer meeting at o'clock. Sunday school, 10.30. Bible class at a quarter to 11. The worship service at 12 noon and the gospel meeting at 7, preceded by the time of prayer and supper will be served. We're mentioning in advance that the Youth Challenge recommences on Tuesday week, the 30th of January. Next family night will be the 4th of February, and Dr. Nigel Campbell will be here, and the, the title for his testimony is Pictures of Grace in the Life of a Christian Doctor. Open day uh, of prayer for Christian schools this Saturday, the 27th of January, in Portadown Free Church, as we mentioned this morning. Remember Margaret as she comes to the next Hebron Ladies Fellowship, that is at, uh, on Wednesday the 7th at 8 o'clock, and our ladies will be singing. And in the will of God, Samuel will be ordained to the eldership of this church on the 11th of February uh, at the evening service. So these are dates to keep in mind, put into your diary, and keep free. The 50th anniversary rally of the Youth Council is on the 16th of February in the Martyrs Memorial. These are all the announcements. We will receive the tithes and offerings for God's work. <clears throat> it's Missionary Council and School Covenant today. And as we receive the tithes and offerings for the Lord, we sing together 520. Go labor on, spend to be spent, thy joy to do the Father's will. It is the way the Master went, should not the servant tread it still.
Let's turn to Luke chapter 14. Said tonight we wanted to preach on salvation is within your reach, and so it is. If you're not saved in this meeting, you don't belong to Christ, you've never partaken of the good things that He has provided in the gospel. The Lord has not put it at a distance that you can't reach it. It's right beside you, just a step of faith that brings you to Christ. And I want to read these words from Luke 14, verse 15, through to verse 24. May the Lord direct our way as we listen to what the Lord Jesus Christ has to teach here. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray they have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray they have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things, then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor and the maimed, and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. But I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Let us bow together and seek the Lord in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the mighty authoritative proclamations of Christ when he was here upon earth. This Savior who went about doing good, not only healing the sick and casting out devils and occasions raising the dead to life again, but my, what good he did in the preaching of the Word. And Lord, we've listened to something tonight as we've read this passage of what the Savior said when He was here on earth. And we want to have understanding in the things of God. So teach us now. And as we hear the wind howling outside, we pray again for the wind of God to come, the mighty wind, to blow into our hearts by the power and ministry of the Spirit of God. Make us alive to the things of God. Awaken sinners, we pray. Stir their hearts. Show them their need of God's salvation and help them to realize tonight it's just a step away. It's within their reach. And by faith, may they reach out and be saved. Give me help now from the Lord. Give me the Holy Spirit for Jesus' sake. Amen. Bronson Battersby, Battersby was found dead on the 9th of January, alongside his 60-year-old father, Kenneth, at their home in Skegness, Lincolnshire, 14 days after they had last been seen. The little two-year-old toddler was left to die of starvation, curled up next to his father's body, who had suffered a fatal heart attack. A social worker visited their home 
on the 2nd of January, but received no reply. She returned to their home two days later, and still there was no response. A few days after that, she eventually got access to the property using a key supplied by the landlord, and she found the bodies of the father and the son. But it was too late. The results of the post-mortem examination found that little Bronson died of dehydration and starvation. Bronson starved to death because his father died, probably on the 29th of December or a little afterwards. It was also reported that the fridge was full of food, but the wee boy was two inches too small to reach the handle. There was nourishment to keep him alive despite his father's death, but it was beyond his reach, two inches too short. And the whole story, as we've listened to it, has been filled with tragedy, sorrow, and heartbreak. Yet as I thought of this terrible story, I thought of poor sinners round about us who are without Christ. There is a gospel feast, a great supper, provided by God where poor, lost, hell-deserving sinners can come and partake of that wonderful feast. They can reach out, and they can receive it. Praise God, it is within their reach. It's right beside you tonight. It's only a step away, and you can reach out by faith and receive it now, right now in this service. In Luke chapter 14, we have the very instructive story told by Christ when He was here upon the earth. Like all parables, it was an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. Jesus used language that everyone understood, and He employed illustrations that men, even the youngest child, could comprehend. His message was not complicated. His preaching was never over the heads of the common people who heard Him gladly. And the salvation that He offered was always within their reach. Jesus tells of a certain man who made a great supper and bade many in verse 16. His servant was sent out to call the guests to the feast, for everything was ready, and all had been provided. Sadly, the servant met with a cold and disinterested response. It came in the form of excuses, poor, lame excuses, why those who were invited could not come. The master of the house is disappointed. You understand that? In fact, the Bible tells us that he was angry. But he recommissioned his servant again in kindness and in mercy. Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor, the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. The servant did that, and yet there was room. So a further invitation is given in the words of verse 23. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now, I will read this story, and you cannot help but see the gospel application. God has made a spiritual feast for poor sinners who are starving in sin and lostness and facing certain death. Sinners are perishing, for they have not received the bread of life that has been sent down from heaven to receive Christ as Savior and have your sins forgiven is receiving the gospel feast that will save your soul from hell's destruction and bring you at last to heaven. Jesus is the food that you need. And I want to tell you that God has placed this food within your reach. Will you listen tonight to the simple truths of the gospel 
from this parable of Jesus, I trust that you will and be instructed, not from this preacher merely, but from Christ himself. I want you to notice the wonderful provision. Look again with me at verse 16. A certain man, says Jesus, made a great supper. And this great supper is the gospel. It's good to remember where Jesus is, and it's good to remember what the setting is on this day when he speaks, when this story is told. He's at a dinner, a dinner that is given by one of the rulers of the Pharisees. If you go back to verse 1 of the chapter, it came to pass as he went into the house of one of the chief Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath day. They watched him. So he's gone into this home for a meal, and we know that it was a supper, it was a great meal that was provided. There's a man there. He's present at the dinner. He spoke about the blessedness of the great banquet and finished the work that the Father gave him to do. He cried out, it is finished. And in the Greek language, it's just one word. It's finished, says the Lord Jesus Christ. All you need for pardon and peace, and mercy, and forgiveness. Deliverance from hell and entrance into heaven has been provided in the gospel feast. There's nothing more that can be done or could be done. It's a wonderful message tonight. It's the wonderful provision of God in Christ. A great feast for you. But then notice, secondly, there's a glorious invitation. Look at verses 16 and 17. A certain man made a great supper, and be it many. That word be it, if you have a marginal reading, just simply means invited. He invited many. And he sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. The invitation to come and partake of this gospel feast is given. And the servant goes out again on this mission with the simple message, come. Come for all things are now ready. The servant represents preachers. Preachers today who proclaim the gospel, who tell men that there is a feast to partake of. Or ministers, or evangelists, Sunday school teachers, children's workers. Indeed, all of God's people saved by grace because this is our mission. This is our great responsibility. We are to bring the message of the gospel to an needy world. We are to tell others round about us, whether they're in the home where we live, or in the neighborhood, or at work, wherever we travel, young people at school, this is your duty, to bring the message of the gospel and to invite sinners to Christ and to say, come for all things are now ready. The invitation is given out chiefly through preaching the word. And that's not only the public ministry of the Word on a Sabbath day or the gospel mission from a pulpit. Preaching the Word has the idea also of gossiping the Word, speaking on a one-to-one -one basis to those that you come into contact with. That's the principal way of getting the message out. It is given through the witness that we make. It is given through the gospel tract that we hand into the hands of others, the open air such as we had yesterday in the center of our town. That's the invitation being given out. We think even of the life that we live, because that life is also preaching. And it's also, I trust, in the way that we live, an example of the gospel. And it's saying to others, here's the feast that you can partake of. And so, my friends, I want you to know that you're invited. It's a glorious invitation. And you're invited tonight just where you're sitting in this gospel service or sitting listening at home, if you're not saved, the Lord is saying, come, for all things are now ready. In the extension of the invitation, this is the message that we bring. And I have already indicated to you that everything is ready. All that needs to be done has been done. Oh, Jesus has been to the cross. He he has done all that needs to be done to put away our sins forever. He has suffered and bled and died at the cross. He has taken away our sin or carried away our sin. 
He has borne our sin in his own body at the tree. And so, my dear friends, all you need to do is to respond to this glorious invitation and come. Jesus says, come. Will you come? You are invited. Then I want you to look at verse 18 through 20. Because here we have the sad rejection. It says, they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said to him, unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Here is the worst response imaginable. You might say that these excuses are different, and in a sense they are, but I suppose in a way they are the same. They're just excuses. They all, with one consent, began to make excuses. Now, you would have expected that they should all with one consent come to the supper when they were so kindly invited to it. Who would refuse such an invitation? And yet, on the contrary, (coughs) they all found some kind of excuse to make. Look at them again individually. I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to prove them. (coughs) I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. We have to say that these were poor excuses. They are rejecting so much in exchange for so little. Sometimes, you know, we we see a little bit of humor here, don't we? Especially the third excuse. You know, men blaming the wife, married a wife, can't come. And sometimes we smile when we, we read that. But you know, it's no laughing matter when you think about what's really happening here. To reject Jesus Christ and His salvation, to reject heaven, and eternal life, because that's what's happening here, is the most serious thing. It's the most solemn thing. And these men are turning away from the gospel feast. Rejection was based on worldly, earthly things. Indeed, the first two are foolish excuses. There's only a fool would do what these men did. You picture that some of you come from a farming background, I think everyone really understands how ridiculous these excuses are because the first one says, I've bought a piece of ground and I I must needs go and see it. Whoever buys land without seeing it? Well, some people have. I know some people have. And it's been a very foolish step to take, a very foolish purchase. Because very often when that happens, it's not all that that you thought it would be. It's not all that was in the brochure or the description. So here's a man. What a lame excuse it is. I haven't seen the land. I bought it now. I have to go and see it. I can't come. The other man, he's bought five yoke of oxen and he can't come. And again, who would buy oxen and you haven't proved them what they can do? I know before in the modern day farmers purchase a tractor, they want to know what this tractor can do. They want to be able to to prove that this tractor is able to do all that they need it to do. They may even go to a demonstration and see what's happening, and it's all shown to them. But here again, it's a very foolish excuse. I haven't proved these beasts, but I'm going to do that now, even though I've paid the money for them, and so I can't come. The third excuse was by a man who put his wife before everything, And in the application here, before his salvation, 
And don't get me wrong, if you're married, you've got responsibilities to your wife, and the Bible teaches that. And if you're just married, as this man obviously was, then you have great responsibilities at the start of married life, just to make sure everything goes well and spend time with your wife and all the rest of it, but not at the expense of those things that are eternal. And that's what's happening here as we think of the application. These excuse makers condemned themselves. Their excuses were only a thin veil hiding the fact that they didn't want to come. So it's just an excuse. Right at the bottom of it all, the bottom line is, I just don't want to go to the feast. And so they make an excuse. Someone has said, back off an excuse is lack of desire. I want to think about that. Just a lack of desire really is so true. There is no rational reason why someone would not want to be part of this feast. But these men just didn't want to. Spurgeon said, in saying I cannot come, the man intended, as it were, to dismiss the matter. He wished to be understood as having made up his mind, and he was no longer open to argument. He did not parley, he did not talk, but he just said offhand, I want no more persuading. I cannot come. And that settles it. That's true. I wonder tonight, what is your excuse? You've just settled it in your mind already. I'm not going to be saved. I'm not going to come to Christ. I'm not going to receive of the gospel feast. Even though you hear about it, and the gospel is presented to you, and the invitation is given to you week by week, on many an occasion, you've received that invitation. But you see, for some of you, you've just already settled in your, in your mind, I'm not going to come. And you've got some kind of excuse in your mind why that is so. What's your excuse tonight? Ambition? Maybe some ambition that's occupying your time, you're pursuing that, and therefore you haven't got time for the Lord. Fame? Fortune? Friends? Family? Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend. You don't want to come because you're more interested in them, and anyhow, they, they are no encouragement to you when it comes to spiritual things. And so this is your excuse. Or is it pleasure? The pleasures of the world that are just for a season, as the Bible reminds us. Is it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye? and the pride of life, or even just simply unbelief. At the end of the day, it's just an excuse, because the reality is you simply do not want to come. You have no desire. And so there is the sad rejection. I want you to look at verse 23. <clears throat> Because here we have the urgent compulsion. The Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. When the servant met with all these excuses, which were ultimately rejections, that's what they were, the master sent them out again. The invitation is extended once more, as we read in verse 21, the servant came, showed his Lord these things. The master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in hither the poor, and the maimed, and the halt, and the blind. And he did so. And there are many who responded this time, and they came, and they, they entered in to the feast. But there's still room. Praise God, there's still room. In verse 22, he comes back with the report, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And so, in love and mercy, the servant is sent out again. In the words of verse 23, this is the message, go out 
uh, into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. There is an abundant supply in the gospel, in this great feast that has been provided. The house not made with hands, which is eternal in the heavens, is very great. And God wants heaven to be occupied, and He wants you to come. And so again, the invitation is given. Only this time it is with this compulsion, compel them to come in. That's what Jesus says, that my house may be filled. And my dear friends, that's my responsibility. And as I said earlier, it's the responsibility of other Christians to give out the invitation to invite people to come, but by the grace of God to compel them by whatever means you can to set before them every argument that you possibly can think of why they should come to the gospel feast. And tonight I've got to compel you as we, we finish this meeting tonight to come. I must compel you because time is very short. When we think of life on this earth, it is, that is running its day for every one of us, isn't it? And we've often reminded ourselves three score years and ten, if by reason of strength they be four score years. One of our elders tells me from time to time, if you're to take a, a measuring line, a yardstick, a meter stick, if you want to use the old system or the metric system, that's fine, and, and maybe just look at 70 inches, 70 centimeters, whatever, or the 80, and then just put your age in there somewhere, and you'll soon discover if you're a little bit older that the majority of the days have gone and gone so quickly, and I need to compel you to come in, persuade you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because time is very short. It's running out, running out for you. Your, your days are numbered. Whether you're young or old, time is very short. And then, of course, I must compel you because we know not what a day will bring forth. We don't know what tomorrow has in store. In fact, we don't know what tonight has in store. But the Scripture is plain about not boasting of tomorrow, for we know not what a day will bring forth. Not one of us tonight knows what this week will unfold for us. No, not even tomorrow. It's hidden from view. And therefore, you need to come to the gospel feast. You need to be right with God so that you're found in Christ, lest something would happen in your life that maybe would either take you out into eternity or change your direction completely that you will never think of these things again. I must compel you, for the door will not always be open. Jesus says, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. But that door, that entrance into heaven will not always be an open door. There's coming a day when the door will be shut. Don't we read about that in the parable of the ten virgins? And the door was shut, and it's going to be shut for you. This is the time of grace. This is the time of opportunity. This is the time when you can be saved. You can come to the gospel feast, but that door is going to be closed forevermore. I must compel you, for hell is a terrible reality. It's a real place. You think of what it is to be damned, to be lost without hope, to go down to the sides of the caverns of the damned, unready, unprepared, and to be lost there forevermore, and to suffer there forevermore. Oh, that I could persuade you to turn from Christ to Christ, that you would yield yourself to Him, that you would give your life to Him, that you would repent of your sin and receive the gospel feast this very night. I must compel you, but there's no other way to heaven. You can't be saved any other way than, than by the gospel feast, by that which Christ has provided for you. I must compel you, because God's Spirit will not always strive with man. Isn't there that, that warning, that solemn warning? way back near the beginning of Genesis in Genesis 6 and verse 3, where God says, My Spirit shall not always strive with man. And if the Spirit of God is striving with you now, and you come to meetings like this, and you sit and you, you feel in your heart that God is speaking to you, and He's saying things to you, and you're concerned and you're convicted of your sin, it's time to do something about it. 
It's time to respond to the invitation and come to the gospel feast because the Spirit of God will not always strive with you. I must compel you, following on from what I've said, because you'll not always feel inclined. Come a day when you'll not be inclined to the gospel. You'll maybe not even want to come to church and sit in a meeting like this. I must compel you, for sin will get a gripper, a, a greater grip upon your life as time goes on. And it'll be harder to break free and come to Christ at a later time. I must compel you, for, for Satan wants to damn you, wants to take you to a lost eternity. That is his plan that you might be destroyed forevermore. The devil doesn't want you to be saved. The devil doesn't want you to come to Christ. He doesn't want you to partake of the bread of life. I must compel you, for tonight you could be in eternity. For all you know, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day will bring forth. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Now is the accepted time, and now is the day of salvation. As we close tonight, I want to remind you the gospel feast is within reach. The little boy was two inches too short. He couldn't reach the handle Within that fridge, there was provision for him. There was nourishment for his body. But it was out of reach. Not so the gospel. For God has placed it within your reach tonight. And all you need to do is to reach out by faith and receive Christ into your heart and into your life. When you come to him, when you come now, let us pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are this man spoken of in the Scripture who has made a great feast. In Christ you have provided everything that we need. Lord, take away the excuses. Defeat the devil tonight. Oh, we pray that you'll make it easy for people to say, yes, I'll come. Make them willing. Give them desire. Oh, help them to see their need and to, to sense it and feel it in their heart. And may they turn while the Savior in mercy is pleading and steer for the harbor light. For how do they know but their soul may be drifting over the deadline tonight? And as we hear the storm outside, we are reminded not only about the Spirit of God, but we're reminded about the judgment of God. And one day the great storm of the wrath of God will rise, and those that are not on the foundation of the rock Christ Jesus, they will be lost forever, and their house will fall, and they will perish eternally. Lord, make men wise unto salvation and take away the excuses for Jesus' sake. Amen. We close with a hymn 242. Sinner, how thy heart is troubled. God is coming very near. Do not hide thy deep emotion. Do not check that falling tear. Oh, be saved, his grace is free. Oh, be saved, he died for thee.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for our redemption story. We thank you for the grace of God, for the wonderful gospel feast that has been provided. May there be a turning to Christ. We rejoice that his grace is free. We rejoice that he died for us. May sinners be enlightened and brought to see their need of a Savior and flee to him with all haste tonight. Write your word upon every heart and may it do us good. May it be the means of bringing sinners to Jesus, for we ask it all in his name. Amen and amen.